Are you doing what you were created to do? It's the ultimate question. You're good at this, you're good at that, you were very successful, you did a lot of this, a lot of that. Are you doing what you were created for? And here we have a very complementary definition of a human being. Hi, Thrivers. Welcome back. This is Sharon Land, and I am a holistic psychotherapist, a spiritualist, as well as your podcast host today. And I am super excited to bring to you through this podcast, Rabbi Manny Friedman. Uh, a brief introduction on Rabbi Friedman. Uh, he is a world-renowned author, a lecturer, a counselor, and philosopher. He was born in Prague, Czechoslovakia in 1946, immigrated with his family to the United States in 1950, and received his rabbinic ordination from the Rabbinical College of Canada in 1969. In 1971, Rabbi Friedman founded Beis Shana Institute of Jewish Studies in Minnesota, the world's first yeshiva exclusively for women, where he continues to serve as a dean. From 1984 to 1990, he also served as a real-time translator for uh, the, I'm going to need your help with this, the Luba Victor, uh, Rebbe's televised talks. And Rabbi Friedman, his first book is Doesn't Anyone Blush Anymore, which sounds incredible. Uh, and he's won worldwide acclaim and was translated in several languages. It is currently in its fifth printing. Rabbi Friedman is also the author of The Joy of Intimacy and Who Needs You, a children's book and Creating a Life That Matters. In 2014, Rabbi Friedman, together with Ricardo Adler, produced an award-winning film, The Lost Key, a documentary on intimacy and spirituality. Rabbi Friedman uses both ancient wisdom and modern wit and he captivates audiences around the world. And it's really true. Uh, he's captivated me, which is why I've invited him to come and talk with us. Um, he most recently has reached 200,000 subscribers on YouTube and has incredible talks spanning years of conversations that he's had. Uh, and I am so grateful that we were able to schedule this time today and that you are here to have a wonderful conversation with us. Rabbi Friedman, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. We get to talk about my favorite subjects. <laughs> what could be better? Yes, yeah. I absolutely love your conversation about harmony. One of my greatest passions is to really go from the polarities of conflict that we sometimes have internally as well as externally and get to a state of harmony. I would love to hear more about your, your thoughts on harmony, your beliefs on harmony, and, and how you share that with people who you counsel. Well, if we're talking about internal harmony, not being divided and chopped up into uh, segments and fragments, and <clears throat> you know, all great people had narrow interest. Very, very few could be called, you know, the, the re Renaissance person of uh, many interests and many fields of expertise, very rare. And I'm sure that someplace in their lives, they suffered. Something was neglected, you know, something got dropped or left out. And But people who were single-minded, really focused and dedicated to one cause, to one value, to one principle, those are the those are the the real heroes that history is made of. 
We are raised today in the West with endless possibilities. You can be whatever you want to be. Mm -hmm. You end up being none of them. Too scattered. Too many options. <clears throat> now you can be whether you know you can be male, female, whatever you want. There is a tyranny. Somebody I think wrote a book, The Tyranny of Choice. Too many choices, unrealistic, undoable. It's not gonna happen. And you're gonna end up frustrated with nothing to show for yourself, except for the inner conflict. I should be doing this. No, 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 I should be doing that. The one focus that we can all have that is really grounding at, at any stage in life, and it just gets better with time, are you doing what you were created to do? It's the ultimate question. You're good at this, you're good at that, you were very successful, you did a lot of this, a lot of that. Are you doing what you were created for? Yeah. And here we have a very complementary definition of a human being. The world is made up of mineral, vegetable, animal, and human. The human is way, way beyond, above the rest of creation. Animals and plants, they're different, but not endlessly different. Not qualitatively different. Plants and minerals, same thing. The human being is in a category of its own. The differences are like this. The mineral is perfectly content to be a mineral. All the mineral asks is don't crush me, don't break me, don't destroy me. Leave me. That's all it asks. The vegetable needs a little attention. Give me a little sunshine, a little water, and don't step on me. Let me grow. And then, then it's content. Content to be a vegetable or flower. The animal is totally content to be an animal. Just don't prevent me. Don't get in my way. Let me roam. Let me do my thing. And I'll be perfectly happy being an animal. <clears throat> Driving through the countryside, and you see these cows grazing in the field. They're so happy to be cows. And they're at it all the time. They never for a minute stop being cows. Total devotion. But they're happy to be a cow. The very definition of a human being, and I think you've probably heard this, the very definition of a human being is a human being is not content being human. The human being who is content to be human being is an animal. That is not the contentment of a human. So leave me alone. Don't, you know, don't get in my way. Let me do my thing and I'll be happy. That's an animal. The nature of a human, not, not the religion or the, or the idealism, the nature of a human being. I got to be something more than human. Why? Because I was created human. I can take no credit for that. So the question is, what did I contribute? I didn't make myself human. 
So if I don't become something more than human, then I've done nothing. That's why we have complexes. That's why we have issues. <laughs> if we could just be content in our skin, we would have no issues. Except warding off the enemy. Like the animal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But even when we have no enemies, we have issues. Because I'm still just a human being. And that's not satisfying. So now the question is, what can I be that is more than human? Die and become an angel? Not a good deal. Because it involves dying. So it's already not a good, not a good deal at all. So, you know, some people try, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disparaging it, but it's certainly not the answer. Some people try to run like a deer, soar like an eagle, swim like a fish. Olympic talents, but you'll never compete with an animal. You'll never be as swift as a deer. You'll never fly like an eagle and you never swim like a fish. So it's a little pathetic. You're trying to be something other than human, but not something less than human. So what is there? Well, to your point, I think that it's it's the ability to accept the fact that we are human and we also must find a way to be comfortable and seek to release whatever conflict is we're having, right? That to me, that's to run as a form of expression, in my opinion. And it's something that it's just like an instinctual aspect, as well as something that we have critical thinking, knowing that there, there's a, there could be a positive on the other side of that for ourselves. And then also for our ability to serve more, um, from a state of health, I think that that can create harmony, but when we tell ourselves when we create a rule around it and we, and it's not a choice coming from a state of honoring ourselves and honoring who we are and what we're here to do in our own unique way, then yeah, it, it causes conflict. It causes disease in my opinion. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I'm curious to hear the rest of the story from you as far as then how can we serve and know what our purpose is? Okay, so the first step is to get comfortable being human. Yeah. But that's not what we're looking for. That's only to free us to become something more. Mm. So if I'm fascinated by my own humanness, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I was like, how do I know I'm ready to get married? People ask all the time. How do I know I'm ready to get married? So the simple test is in the morning, when you look in the mirror, I'll tell you everything you need to know. <clears throat> if you look in the mirror in the morning and you are fascinated by what you see, don't get married. But if you look in the mirror and you say, you again, I know you, 
Time for a new face in the mirror. Now you're ready to get married. If you're not fascinated by yourself, if you don't, if you're not married to yourself, then you can marry someone. If you're not in love with yourself, then you can love someone else. In other words, you got to be able to move past yourself. And the best way to move past yourself is to be comfortable with yourself. Right. And being married to something to me indicates like the metaphorical, like attachment to having, you know, needing yourself to be a certain way in order to really be comfortable and accept yourself. Um, as, if, as if that's a goal. Right. It's not a goal. It's something to get out of the way so that you can pursue your goal. Yeah. Now, the goal is not optional. In other words, the need is not optional. It's a drive. It's an instinct that human being needs to have something to show, to justify their own existence. That's why we're always asking, why? Why are we here? What is the purpose? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Why do we always need a purpose? Just be yourself and have some fun. No, it's not human. So it's not really optional. It's a drive that, as you say, it can make us sick if we don't, if we don't satisfy it, because we're less than human. So what can we do to be more than human? Yeah. See, this is the whole story of the revelation at Mount Sinai. What happened? The conventional wisdom is God came down to Mount Sinai, gave us 10 commandments and made us religious. No, no. Religion came much, much later and it brought nothing but disaster to the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What God did at Mount Sinai is reveal his plan and invited us to partner with him. So literally what our souls demand in order to satisfy the human, the human spirit is I can't just be one of God's creations. I need to be a partner in creating. I have to be a junior creator. Yeah. Being a creation is not to my credit at all. I, I love that distinction. I love that distinction because you, you had nothing to do with being created, but the act of, of creating yourself beyond yourself is creating something out of nothing, which is, is nothing short of a miracle. Which is becoming God-like. Yes. Yes. So now you're something more than human. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with being human. Except that it's not yours to take credit for. So if you're talented, you're gifted, you're beautiful, you're healthy, you're strong. None of that is to your credit. What can we take as our own credit? Not even our accomplishments as a junior creator, but our efforts. Every effort at creating is something, is something to take credit for. And the more effort you put in, the more credit. How much of a creator are you gonna be? Don't get too ambitious. Don't develop a God complex. Pump the brakes a little on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if in your own little corner of the world, mm. your own little slice of life, you can make things better, more godly, then you are being his partner in creation. Yeah. So kindness, generosity, feed the poor, uh, dress the naked, protect the weak, defend the helpless, 
make this place a, a place that God could be comfortable in. Make this place a place that God could be comfortable in. It's like, you know, you walk into some homes and you feel immediately comfortable. Mm. There's just something about the people there. They're welcoming, they're non-judgmental, they're, they're generous with their possessions. Mm. And so you feel just completely at home. Mm -hmm. God is asking that we make this world feel that way for him. Mm. So here's, here's the real controversial but crucial piece of information. We've got it all wrong. We've got God all wrong. And it's not a, it's not he's nicer than we than we think. He is more vulnerable than we think. Tell me about that. Someday I gotta write a book about my God is more vulnerable than your God. Hmm not more powerful, more vulnerable. And this, this applies to marriage as well. What exactly does vulnerable mean? Means that you're opening yourself up to a potential threat of harm. Is that not a weakness? Um, not necessarily. I don't know that one is exactly equal to the other, no. Okay, one of the big insights and real pieces of wisdom that psychology has come up with is that vulnerability is not a weakness, it's a strength. Yeah. But most people think what it means is that if you're confident and if you're strong, you can take the pain. Ooh. That inevitably is going to come. I love that you're bringing this up because this is something that I have been um, talking about myself one-on-one um, -on -one with individuals, but also really um, communicating this on a different level. I, I agree with you. I'm seeing this happen where there's almost like this trend of um, supporting um, this radical vulnerability in ways where I don't necessarily know that, again, it's all about the nuances and the discernment behind it, right? So I don't believe that anything is good or bad or right or wrong, but I believe more in like alignment with, again, like our service and with our best self. And I think that when we're chasing after, when we're being vulnerable for the sake of gain, I don't know that that's really how that's not really serving. But it is really vulnerable. That's a good question. That's a really great question. So here, here's, here's the, the new, the new thought. There is a vulnerability that involves weakness. Mm -hmm. I can be hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll survive it because I'm strong. And resilient. But but without that pain, I wouldn't be vulnerable at all. Mm -hmm. So in the final analysis, it involves weakness. But true vulnerability has nothing to do with pain. Mm-hmm. True vulnerability means I, by myself, am not enough. Me is not enough for me, even though I can do everything by myself. I don't need your help. I don't need your advice. I don't need your support. But just me? <laughs> but, with you, but with you, mm -hmm. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. By myself, I'm no good. Mm. With you, I'm fine. Not with love, with you. Mm. Not love completes me. You complete me. Mm. Yes, I was listening to your conversation about soulmates and and love, and I can't wait to dig into this conversation with you because I, I really loved a lot of your points. And because as you're referring to love here, I'm I'm taking it that you're 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 encapsulating love as us creating an attachment to love being a thing. It, yeah, it is. It's a thing because you can either have it or not have it. So obviously it's a thing. Right. But the discontent yeah. of being alone, not because I need help, Mm. There's a difference between lonely and alone. Yes. Yeah. Lonely is a thing. Mm. Mm. And you can do something about it. But alone? You know, uh, Billy Joel's song, Piano Man? Mm -mm. Mm. <clears throat> There's that line in the song where he says, they're sharing a drink they call loneliness, but it's better than drinking alone. There's loneliness and there's alone. If you're lonely, you go to a bar and you share a drink with somebody and you're not lonely, but then you go home. And now you're alone and that is much more painful and there's nothing you can do about it. Going to a bar doesn't take away the aloneness. It only takes away the loneliness. Yeah, yep, yep. So the question is, why am I not good by myself? What is that? I don't need your help. I don't need your money. I don't need your encouragement. I'm completely functional without you, and yet I'm nothing without you. What is that? I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing what, what that, that is. <laughs> that is vulnerability. Mm. If I'm not good enough for me, you can't get any more vulnerable than that. And it's not because I, I'm protecting myself from hurt. Right. I won't be hurt. I'll just be alone. So listen to this. You know, the intersection between psychology and, and, and the Bible. God says it is not good to be alone. What a profound observation. You can ask any psychologist, you can ask any anybody. Yeah, it's not good to be alone. You don't need to be God to figure that out. <laughs> he didn't figure it out. He invented it. There is no reason that we shouldn't be perfectly content being alone. There's no reason. except for the fact that it is it just is and why is it that way for us because that's how god is yes so when god said it's not good to be alone he was talking about himself why am i creating you why do i need you because alone is no good I knew you were going to make me have a lump in my throat and it just happened. Um, that is, I love this piece. Okay. God 
knew that we weren't, I'm paraphrasing what you're saying, please correct me as I'm fumbling through this. God knew that we weren't meant to be alone because he isn't meant to be alone. When we say we are created in his image. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. He can't stand being alone and we inherit that from him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So much. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Why can't he stand being alone? For no reason. <laughs> it's not like he wants something. He doesn't. He's God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he needs nothing from you. Mm. But without you, it doesn't work. But that is vulnerable. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Totally hit my vulnerability cord there. Um, there's there, that is so it's so simple yet the journey to that understanding and that embodiment of that is very challenging for many people. Cause we are misled Yes. From the earliest age, we're told you have to become good at this, you have to become good at that, you have to, I don't have to do any of that. That's <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. I would ask people, is it good to be alone? And people are confused. Yeah, right. Because it's really what we've been indoctrinated with is, which is this belief that's been created by whomever, right? Um, that it's not, it's, it's okay. It's not okay to be lonely, but it's okay to be alone. I think, I think the, the deeper piece of what we're kind of swimming in at this point is the fact that we can resolve being lonely. It's uncomfortable to feel lonely, but we can resolve that. So be, by virtue of the fact that we can resolve loneliness, it is not as detrimental to us as being alone, which is not something that we can, if we are in a state of being alone, the true sense of like, I am literally alone, not connected, disconnected, not connected to God, not connected to anybody else. That is detrimental. Yeah. It's the worst thing. Mm. Feeling alone in the world is literally a health hazard. Yes. Yes. Your immune system crashes. Yeah. So. The worst thing in the world is to feel alone. And yet, wherever you go, people are saying, leave me alone. I'm good. I'm good by myself. Leave I don't need alone. anybody. Right. Mm -hmm. Want to be alone or you don't want to be alone. Make up your mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and just to kind of take this in a different direction, but confirming what we're talking about. I think that sometimes we create scenarios where we're creating an illusion of connection, but really we're the farthest from connection ever, which creates and perpetuates a state of being alone. We are insulating ourselves from the connection. So therefore we are really truly alone by our own doing. So here's the deeper meaning. Yeah. Leave me alone means stop with me. Mm. I know I don't want to be alone, but in order to not be alone, stop talking about me. Leave the me alone, not leave myself alone. <clears throat> so it's literally like saying, I don't want to be alone. So stop talking about me and give me you. Talking about me is not going to end my loneliness. It'll make it worse, like you say. 
The more I think about how I'm alone, the more alone I'm going to be. So I don't need you to tell me about me and my loneliness. I need you to be in my life. So here's the beauty of it. You get married when you're perfect. Like God. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. But unlike God, you're not really perfect. You're just as perfect as you care to be. So you get the best years of your life to make yourself perfect. When you're perfect, which means you don't want to look at yourself in the mirror anymore because you've seen that, been there, done that, enough already. So as far as you're concerned, the me is perfect. Now that the me is perfect, I don't need anything from you. There's nothing you can give me because I don't need anything. I don't want to become a better me, more me, a greater me, a perfect me, no, good enough. All I want is you. Because it's not good to be alone. Now imagine I am that perfect person who needs nothing. I really am not going to take anything from you. I make no demands of you. I don't need anything from you. Just be there. Be be my world, be my life. Now imagine that that's what I want, but you're not available. If all I want is you and not something from you, nothing. Right. All I want is you. But I don't have you. So what am I missing? How does that make me imperfect? Hmm. Well, I, my first thought is that if, if we are seeking to, to invite someone in who is not available and we continue to perpetuate that idea, then we are, perpetuating suffering for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not suggesting getting hung up on people who are unavailable. Oh, okay. <laughs> but by definition, I need you in my life more than anything else in the world and I don't have you. Doesn't that make me imperfect, damaged? Oh, from that, yes, I understand. Um, the answer is no. I am still me. Nothing has changed. I'm perfect. I'm not missing anything you're missing in my life. Right. And you're perfect in how you've been created because you mm -hmm. have, right. This me is, is perfect. Mm -hmm. Where are you? Mm -hmm. So that's what we mean when we say leave me alone. Mm -hmm. Talking about me is not going to solve anything. Where is the other, other than me? Mm. And that's what God is doing in creating us and giving us freedom of choice. Mm. To not be alone, angels are not enough. Because mm. even if you have angels, you're still alone. Angels don't have an opinion. They're your clones. So you're still alone. Mm. That's why if you marry your sister, you're still alone. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you're just clones of each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The only way to stop being alone is to bring someone other. Well, what makes them other? They have their own opinion, their own needs, their own personalities, and they can hate you. Oh, now that's an other. 
Mm-hmm. Angels mm-hmm. can't hate God. Mm. So they're not another. So with millions of angels, God is still alone. Yeah. But with a human being who has the freedom of choice Mm. to either join God or reject him, deny him, hate him, now you're not alone. So what does God want of us? Why the commandments? Why the laws? Why the rules? It's not that he wants the rules. The rules are what make you available to him. I mean, if you're going around killing people, yeah, he needs you and he wants you, but you're not available to him. Yeah. So God tells us about himself. He says, I don't like murder. I don't like kidnapping. I don't like stealing. I don't like lying. I don't like greedy. I don't like pork as food. So join me. Join me. Don't fight me. Right. Come with me. Come be mine. How do you be mine? I'll tell you everything I feel, I love, I hate. I, you'll know everything about me. And if you can, if you can match that, then we're on the same page and we have each other. Yeah, that kind of brings forward the meaning of intimacy. There we go. It's, I always say this and, and I love what you have to say about intimacy because it's, for me, I, I, I say it's into me see. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a intentional um, sharing and allowing, um, but it's, it's, it doesn't happen through the ways that I think we're programmed to believe that intimacy truly is, right? And, and so I, I would love to hear your, your wisdom on intimacy, really. Okay, let's, let's get right to the shocking, controversial... <laughs> This is one of the reasons why I love, love, love having you here. It's just, I love that you just get right to it. (laughs) Yeah, cut to the chase. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It has become very popular to, um, to disparage the missionary position. Mm. intimacy Mm. Mm. everything else is more interesting that's a bit of a rebellion you know just because you're told to do something a certain way you want to do it differently that's part of it but there's a there's a much more uh, disturbing part Mm. face to face is intimate when it's not face to face it's not intimacy Sex can be so abusive. Yes. It can be so degrading. Dishonoring. So easily. Mm -hmm. Even with the nicest people. Mm -hmm. But being intimate or having sex, not face to face, is abusive. It's like saying, I want to get something from you. Don't even look at me. Just give me it. Mm. There's something so impersonal about it. That it, it's, it's pornography. It's sex without the person. So 
intimacy means I'm not taking something from you. We're not doing something for each other as kind and generous as that might be. We are dissolving into each other. We're not taking anything. That's not easy. So here are the clues. A couple have been intimate. He says, so how was it? He says, how was it? Yeah. What does that tell you? First of all, it tells you that this was about it, not about you. Mm. How was it? Mm -hmm. Excuse me, but who is the it mm. in this bedroom? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not an it, you're not an it. Who's the it? Yeah. This is almost like a love triangle. There's me, there's you, and there's it. Not good. Yeah, I didn't realize, you know, the, the, the thinking of whoever is the partner is saying, well, I didn't realize that that was what was going on. That means that you weren't really here with me and I with you. There right. was this thing. <laughs> Right. And we both enjoyed it thoroughly. <laughs> but I'm alone. You're alone. It was nice. <coughs> when I realized that there are married couples, happily married, but when you talk to them privately, they'll each tell you they feel alone in the world. That was shocking. In yeah. the past, people who came from marriage counseling hated each other. They had serious complaints, irreconcilable differences. And maybe they had to get divorced. <laughs> but today, they have no complaints. Marriage is good, everything's good, but I'm alone in the world. Everything is good, but intimacy is not about things. So that explains the second half of the question. How was it? Why are you asking? You don't know. Where right. were you? Where were you? Right. So the very fact that you have to ask means you, you were not where I was, and I was not where you were. We didn't get any closer. We got further apart. So every time you engage in intimacy, which is supposed to be intimacy, every time a couple has sex, they grow apart. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where did the love go? Sex does not bring people together. No. It keeps you separate. Yes. Love also doesn't bring you together. I think I love you more than you love me, so now I hate you. Mmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love doesn't bring us together. Love is one of the things we can share, like loneliness. We can share sex, we can share pleasure, we can share love, but that does not bond us, we're still alone. Marriage, and only marriage, is the cure for aloneness. Having a wonderful relationship with your mother, you're still alone in the world. Having a wonderful relationship with your siblings, you're still alone in the world. Only marriage, and that's an amazing thing. Because you're marrying a stranger, 
And suddenly this stranger is closer to you than your biological parents. You are more related to your spouse than you are to your parents. Again, God says, therefore should a man leave his mother and father. Now, if you have to tell a man to leave his mother and father, they have a pretty good relationship. Yeah. Otherwise, they don't have to tell them. <laughs> or, or something, or something. Yeah. Maybe too good. But the point is, in order to become one, yeah. you have to leave your mother and father and cleave to your spouse. Then you become one. Because now there is someone other in your life. She is other, he is other, and he's very much in your life. Then you become more, which is kind of circling right back to the original part of our conversation, which is how do we really find harmony? It's about understanding our humanness, but then also being more. And when you give birth, now you're really a partner in creation. Yeah. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. So all the good old-fashioned ideas were much closer to our real nature. Mm. We think our grandparents were were repressed, and and they, they 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 didn't live life fully. They were not in touch with their feelings. They were unnaturally following rules that dictated everything they did. They were much closer to true nature than we are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And psychology, psychoanalysis was supposed to bring us closer to our true nature. It doesn't. It just stirs up a bunch of disturbances. It's not our true nature. Our true nature is not the hurt that we carry. How could that be our true nature? Right, right. So all our repressed needs and all our unconscious issues, that, that's not the real me. That's, that's the damage. So who's the real me? Yeah, it's the resolution of that, of that conflict, right? Just that the way helps helps to clear the path for your for your ability to be able to express right yeah yeah nature is really you ready for this your true nature is that you don't care whether you live or die mm. Well, mm. This, this focus on the survival instinct and you gotta leave and you gotta protect yourself. And no, I don't. No, I don't. Mm. Don't make that my burden because it's not. Mm. I don't care. Oh, I like life. I am I'm enjoying, but I I can take it or leave it. Yeah. In my work, I find that sometimes were in that context of having those types of conversations where um, where the rules and the indoctrination of, um, we'll call it um, things that help professionals to cover their liabilities, <laughs> right? And there's a big difference. I'm not, I'm not at all minimizing any threat to harm of oneself or of someone else. Yet, the surrender of this of the self to the point where you um, are grateful every day to have the opportunity to show up and serve and be um, yet knowing that 
there is a divine order of things. And, um, and that we're at peace and really the peace. My belief is that we're, we're here in this human form and part of this human form is to experience what, what we think heaven is, right? We think heaven is like that beautiful, blissful place that's over there that maybe I'll get to, but really we can, we can achieve that by surrendering to the whole idea of the life and the death of this physical being, right? So really, it seems to be a built-in contradiction. How can I yeah. be grateful for life when I'm desperate for it? Yeah. Yeah. If I must live, then I'm not grateful. I'm needy. Right. You're grateful if you get something you don't need. A gift. Yes. But if you're desperate to survive, then why are you grateful that you survived? The reason we are grateful for every moment of life, because we don't need it. That's powerful. Yes. That's another way for us to create the roadmap towards true gratitude, right? As opposed to this manufactured aspect of gratitude, um, which I find that, you know, we, we again, sometimes... And everything is perfect in our journey, right? The, the, the misunderstandings and the understandings, the awareness and the lack of the lack of awareness and all of those things, it's all perfect. But, but I find that it's helpful to have an understanding of a concept of what the, what the truth is, right? The true wisdom that we're here to understand. Um, I, I think we've come a long way. It took a while. <laughs> humans have come a long way if I am desperately needy of survival then everything I do is first of all selfish secondly uh, forced I have to I have to. Right. Right. I have, I have to plow the fields. I have to. Mm -hmm. I will die. So I must work hard and I must fight the enemy and I must clear the. I must, I must, I must. There's no fun in that. There's no pleasure in that. Mm -hmm. And then it doesn't make sense in the end. I have to do everything that I do so that I don't die. When do I get to live? Right. So I live in order not to die. Is something wrong with that? <laughs> it's so true. I I agree. I agree. And and to your point, when we're when we're in that mode of having to do something because we have to survive then we're, we no longer have choice. Yes, we're slaves. Right, right. Yet, it's, it's again, it's, it's flipping the understanding. And, and, and I think that there's always this like overcompensation, right, of, of a misunderstanding of lack of choice and choice, right? So I think you, to your point before, we have so many choices, right? So we've actually lived... I think a lot of people have lived with a mission to create more and more and more and more choices, right? Because there's this With feeling of, of oppression, right? But, but really ultimately, you know, when, so we're trying to compensate for this feeling of not wanting to feel like we're having to survive our circumstances yet we're, we're continuing to repattern the same survival, right? Yet if we just surrender again i keep using this word surrender to this idea of like i get to i get to go out and plow the fields today why instead of i have to it creates a it creates a choice 
and the choice creates freedom. So you have to choose to live. Yes. You have to be desperate to live. Yes. But that has to be true. Is it true? We're not desperate to live. Hmm. I, I know you already know the answer. <laughs> well, you listen to even children today. Hmm. Nine-year-olds, eight-year-olds who say, I didn't ask to be born. Oh, what yes. There were ancient philosophers who became famous for that, for that observation. <laughs> what is yeah. the purpose of life? I wasn't, I wasn't asked. I'm born against my will. Mm. Philosophy. Now eight-year-olds are saying it. I have to clean my room. <laughs> I didn't even ask to be born. We have come a long way. And, and every child who says, I didn't ask to be born, is not depressed and, and suicidal. Right. They're just aware. Mm -hmm. And if you can't tell them why they're here, it's going to be a serious problem, not a philosophical one. So I don't need to be here. I don't need to be here. I don't need to survive and live. So no, I don't need to plow the fields. I certainly don't need to go to school so that I can go to high school, so that I can get into a college, so that I can get into a job, so that I can pay and not starve and die. Oh, that is so far-fetched. <laughs> At least in the olden days, a father could say to his son, wake up, we have to go plow the fields. Otherwise we'll die. And the kid jumps out of bed. Today, fathers wake up their kid and say, you got to catch the bus to school. Otherwise, you're going to die. And the kid says, what? <laughs> what? Right. Doesn't even make any sense anymore. Yeah, exactly. We're, we, we, have, we have come a long way, yet I think we um, are still, you know, looking to unlearn some of those things to apply them to what the truth is of what's needed now right, right? evolution what worked what worked for all of history yeah need what was it need is the mother of all invention necessity yeah necessity is the mother of invention yes yeah so everything we invented everything we discovered everything we accomplished was because we needed to yeah today's kids are saying I don't need anything. Leave me alone. Mm. Mm. Don't do drugs. Why not? Well, you know, it'll kill you. <laughs> Means nothing. Yeah. yeah so. so. Yeah, that's a whole other conversation. I, I actually, I'm thinking. I, I would. Sorry. Positive development. The fear of death is no longer the ultimate motivator. Give me a reason to live. Don't threaten me with death. And by the same token, give me a reason to serve God. Don't threaten me with hell. Not working anymore. Powerful. In fact, if you threaten me, <laughs> then you have proven that you have no answer. And you cannot explain it, so you resort to threats. So I win mm. the argument. Mm. So here's here's where we are. If I did not ask to be born, and I didn't, it's because I don't need to. If I needed to be born, I would have asked. <clears throat> I don't ask to be born, I don't need to be born. So if I don't ask and I don't need, why am I here? You can't blame your mother because she didn't ask either. Because you were created. In other words, to say it in, <clears throat> I am here because someone needs, not me. Mm. 
It's not my need that brought me here. Well, now I'm really curious who needs me. I'm here because of need and it's not mine or my father's or my mother's. So my existence comes from a need. Who? That's where God comes in. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, I hope that you will come back. I, I, there's so many other things that I was just really looking forward to talking to you about. The time has flown by and I know that we both have, um, you have quite a schedule. <laughs> um, and I just, I want to say thank you so much. I am so grateful for this conversation. I think it was a wonderful way to go deep into a lot of the truth and wisdom of what is, um, instead of, like you said, the philosophy of things. It's not depressing. No, 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 not at all. I, I, no, um, I'm just so grateful. I'm grateful for us to be able to connect today. I hope that you'll come and join me again in another discussion. That's what I do. So. Yeah, <laughs> it yes. sure is. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And everyone, please, I'm going to put all of Rabbi Friedman's contact information as well as his YouTube channel, his Instagram page and all of that in the show notes. Um, and uh, he's very responsive, so I'm sure, um, but there's plenty of books and resources out there that if you liked any of the concepts that we've been touching on today, um, he pretty much has a book for it with the exception of the one that you mentioned you're going to be writing. So, <laughs> but thank you everyone for joining. Peace and love to you. And until the next time. Bye.